solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about the things that we do, the things that we do with our practices, the things that happen with our clients. And this is a episode that we're we're just going to run with the idiom pennywise and pound foolish as much as Katie and I talk about like get paid for the work that you're doing this this might be a, an antithesis episode for us of <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe there are some things from time to time that you should step into a little bit more as far as things that maybe don't pay but overall what we're trying to come to some decision on here is the decision making process of when to invest things into your business or how to invest things with your time what's respectful to you and the income that you need and when do you take maybe those steps out there in situations where the payoff might not be right up front and it might pay off later and it might not so we are definitely calling this Pennywise and Pound Foolish. And Katie, how have you been a fool before? <laughs> many, many ways. In regard to this, I think the the biggest things I did in the beginning, especially, were the kind of bootstrapping stuff. I initially started my practice with a I created a whole like series of spreadsheets for for my electronic health record or kind of notes. I was trying to do my own bookkeeping and that in fact went awry. I spent a whole year just putting uh, receipts in a in a uh, drawer <laughs> when there were still receipts to gather. And I also I think uh, wasted a lot of time creating my own website initially. <laughs> it was really ugly. <laughs> And, and pretty ineffective. And so to me, there was, there was things I did not invest in that I think potentially would have helped me get off on the right foot a little bit more quickly. But I think there's, there's other parts that I feel like I'm, I see other people uh, take advantage of or don't do that surprise me that feel a little bit pennywise, pound foolish. I mean, we've got folks that will refuse to do anything outside of a session because of not getting paid for it. And, and I want to talk about that because I think there's a lot of nuance in that conversation, but it feels like there's folks that get really down into kind of nickel and diming uh, folks, uh, their clients or, or setting some really, really strong boundaries with their clients that I, I don't set. So how about you? 
what uh where where are you where have you been a fool i also like you did a lot of bootstrapping when i was first launching my practice of creating a lot of marketing materials that weren't necessarily the quality of any <laughs> <laughs> you mean like you passed out flyers that looked pretty crappy <laughs> yeah stuff like that uh, i held on to websites way longer than when when they seem dated i know that you've seen the pictures where i look like a child's on yes yeah, so you kept your your uh, headshot way too long <laughs> <laughs> i have waited too long to hire whether it be people like a bookkeeper i definitely did not do a great job of bookkeeping for a while and that ended up costing me in accounting fees later on with my accountant who was like dude like <laughs> what did you do <laughs> So I, I have made a lot of those mistakes. And I think in the spirit of our show of helping people to not have to make some of the same mistakes that we have and maybe coming from a place of wisdom in this, you know, we are trying to piece together just like how do we take, you know, several hundred episodes of Kurt and Katie talking when it comes to putting money into your business, where are things that you can actually do things when you don't have that much money and what ends up being most worthwhile? Because the other side of this conversation is what are some of the wise decisions that you've made where a good investment has ended up being something that has paid off, even though it, it was scary to spend that money up front or spend some time doing something up front? Well, I, I definitely appreciate having a practice management system that does a lot of stuff for me. It just makes it a lot easier. And I think I just didn't know that they existed. This is how long ago this was. And so I, I see folks really concerned about, is it $29? Is it $39? Is it $79? Is it $99 a month? And I think those fees cover, I think, a lot. And so as soon as I heard about electronic health records and found one that I liked and I, and I got it all set up, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not double and triple or entering things. Like there's all of my systems got a lot more streamlined. And, and I did that, I think seven years ago. And so for me, that was, that was huge. And it really saved me time in the, in my wanderings. I also got a lot of different automation help from uh, my friend Bibi. We have an episode with her. We'll sh share that in the show notes. And being able to make things really automated, whether it's scheduling or emails that go out, different stuff like that. There was a lot of times when I was able to have my business running when I was not directly available, whether I was in session or on vacation or whatever. And that was a really strong choice for me because I would go on vacation and I'd come back and I'd have consults scheduled which you can't do if you're, you know, kind of doing that manually, which is what I was doing initially. How about you? What are the the big decisions that you think were really maybe a little scary up front or a little work intensive up front, but paid off as far as what you were looking to do? Also, like you, moving over to an electronic health system ended up being a very, very big step that I wish that I had done earlier. And a lot of my fears had proven not to be true. It was a lot of work to mm -hmm. switch over at the time, but what would have been less work is just starting that way in the first place. Yes. <laughs>
I think as some of the aspects of where I have chosen to spend some of my time has in one way paid off and in some ways has really helped to grow the exposure that I have, the exposure of our podcast and some of the you know speeches that I give. Sometimes that can end up, you know, being kind of a mixed bag of both of ending up being committed to, you know, something like a, a board position on a on a group or yeah, I love my teaching job, you know, shout out to my students here, but you know, sometimes you know, just the steps of being involved in yeah, being in an academic institution sometimes ends up coming at the cost of where I could be seeing clients, the where I would, you know, make more money. And I think that this comes down to some of the decision making process. And you know, I think ultimately what we're going to find here is that everybody's answering this is differently. You've got to take into account your situation just because Katie and I have our opinions on this kind of stuff and what's worked for us doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work for you. So sit back, think about, you know, all right, where in my life can I make some of these things? Where in my life is this a couple of years away from me? Where in my life is just Kurt and Katie talking about being old before things like electronic health <laughs> systems are out there. But, you know, I take my teaching job, for example. Uh, you know, a part of it is I love, I love teaching. I love, you know, especially now that we're back in person, I love having people that we can have really robust conversations with in, in person. And I love that in case I ever need, you know, to switch health insurances, I've got an institution that has a great health insurance plan that I can yeah. switch to if I need it. And this, this is kind of my safety plan sort of job in the background that I feel like I'm pretty good at what I do. And I love the content that I teach. I love the program, the, the faculty that I work with, and there's some safety aspects in there. And it does not pay me nearly what I would make if I was spending the same amount of time focusing on my practice. And well, so I think that's a good one because I actually was offered to teach, not at the level that you were, but I was offered a, a, a teaching gig, so to speak, at one of the universities that you were teaching at. And it the numbers didn't work out for me. It would I would spend hours in the car, you know, when it, for an in-person job. And it was something where it would stress me out. I love teaching but not to that schedule. I like to kind of create my own things. And so the the numbers didn't work out for me on something like that. And I don't think they would, whereas they do for you. Well, and we're, we're going to be very cryptic. So the nine of you who know the, the different locations where I've taught is <laughs> where I currently teach is 15 minutes from my house, as opposed sure. to the institution that you're talking about, which is still an hour away from where I live. And ultimately- like Two or three hours for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the time investment is a really big thing. And this comes to maybe, you know, the the part of the show notes, the the SEO search words that are gonna be <laughs> coming up for some people here, but it's you know, getting paid for your work is only one piece of this. It's also the time investments into things. And we have been big proponents of, you know, make sure that you get paid or there's at least some sort of payoff for it. And I think that this is the nuance of this episode is sometimes we see people in our fields that 
might include Katie and me from time to time Mm -hmm. of getting rigidly stuck in this rule of, well, I'm not getting paid, therefore I'm not going to do it. And this is where maybe what we're trying to do is soften up this, like not every single thing, if it's not paying you, isn't worth doing because there might be some sort of other payoff that comes along with it. Well, one of the things that I've done over the last several years uh, that was probably most beneficial to me for my enjoyment of it, the learning experience, the relationships I made was free. And that was being on the camped board. I mean, for me, that was really instrumental in how I've developed my career. It's given me, it gave me an opportunity for advocacy. It gave me an opportunity for leadership. I loved it. It also was a very, very time intensive and not paid. And not everybody can do that. You know, I think that's, that's definitely something that I feel very blessed that I was able to do it. But I, I think it's something where that kind of a role helped establish a lot of things for me. And it, it, it fed me you know, kind of emotionally as well. And so I don't know that I would choose to do that now. I don't have the bandwidth to do it now, but it was definitely a very important thing. And it was timed well for me because it was right when I was starting to grow my practice. So I had a little bit more time. It wasn't, it didn't cost me money, which I think people worry about that. Everything is paid for. (laughs) The expenses are paid for. But it was something where I got to meet really great people and it really provided a different level of visibility for me and my practice and what I, what I'm doing as a leader. And so, so when we think about the opportunities that, that face us, I think it's really important to look at all of the pieces and not solely rest the, the value of of it on whether or not I'm going to get paid for it. And I know as part of the exposure that as our businesses, as our podcasts, as many of the opportunities of the way that we've put ourselves out there has continued in this space, many of the connections that we've made with other movers and shakers in the therapy worlds, we tend to also get invited to do a lot of things with other up-and-coming people and startups and those kinds of things. And I think that this is really maybe the space where a lot of our audience could benefit from hearing some of our experiences with this. We're not naming names. We're not shaming anybody here, people. We're talking about like, okay, time on the camp board. Camp was pretty well established at the time. A couple of people had heard of them. They weren't (laughs) going anywhere. (laughs) They have, I think they have 35,000 members now. They had 32,000 when we started. So camp, you know, they they were pretty well established. You knew what you were getting into. You knew the potentials for it. There was people who had been in those positions before that you could talk to. Some of the opportunities that I think that a lot of our audience see now is people who are maybe moving into an influencer space, looking for a therapist to back up a certain idea, maybe do a little video or something or a series of videos for like a startup or something like that, where the the pay is in the exposure or the pay is, you know, a, a video for your website or something like that, that ends up being something where 
it's not as straightforward as far as things like, oh, you're giving back to the community. You're taking advantage of opportunities to go and advocate for mental health on a higher level with more established connections already. There's some good in this. There's some bad in this. There's some ugly. There's some really wonderful things. But I think that this is where, how did you at this point end up making a decision on some of these kinds of things as far as participating? Because some of these things, as you and I have experienced, yeah, right, you invest a bunch of time into creating some new material. You spend hours or days uh, being involved with it. So it's got a, a time component to it and it never goes anywhere. And other times, you know, this is something where it's like, oh, you do some work and then you end up getting practice referrals. You end up getting introductions to other people that end up being the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN. For two months free. There's a lot of things that I think are important to consider when these opportunities come up. And one of the ones that you've already said is, are they established? There are some startups that I've talked to, and I talk to a lot of startups because I am the person that does the, the vetting for the sponsorships, or at least the initial vetting for the sponsorships for the podcast. And so I talk to a lot of folks who want to get in front of our audience. <laughs> Because we have an amazing audience, right? And so I feel like there's a part of me that's a little jaded about startups because there's a lot that happens that's very similar. Most of it is is really dependent on um, investors and angel investors, funding cycles, that kind of stuff. And with the interest rates going up right now, I think a lot of startups and big tech companies are going to have a little bit harder time getting investors. And so I think a lot of those startups are, are having a little bit of a challenge right now in, in being able to promise that they can do big things because they're pretty far in debt. <laughs> and so so talking with startups, they, they're very excited. They, they have a big vision for what they want and potentially a lot of momentum in trying to build an audience, which if they have a big audience, awesome, because then they can put you in front of their audience and their audience is usually fresh and exciting because they started their business like six months ago. But a lot of them, because they're startups, because they aren't really, they can't rely on funding, they do ask you to do stuff for free. And so whether it's the startup that's asking you to do something for free or an established company that's asking you to do something for free, it's, it's kind of a different calculus. The startup may not be there. They may not succeed. And so you want to get a sense of the startup, like, are they, do they have momentum? You know, definitely make sure you take a look at their product, make sure it's actually put together well, make sure that you know what you're actually aligning with, because if you're aligning with something that's a hot mess, that can be really bad. And, and I've not always made the best, uh, you know, assessments of that, but I think that it's something where the solidity of this, 
the solidity, is that a word? The, how solid the business is <laughs> um, really makes a difference in whether or not you should invest the time. I think the, the next step is, is there audience and audience you actually want to get in front of? You know, for example, if your target client is a, you know, kind of an executive and you're asked to, you know, kind of weigh in on kids issues, it's not too far off because executives have kids. But if you're, if you're going to put the effort in to kind of frame yourself as someone that is, is in this space, you're going to get referrals for those, for folks who want that. And so I've had a lot of consulting clients actually say like, oh, I'm having this opportunity to do this. And I'm like, do you want more referrals for that? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, then don't do it. Sure. <laughs> you know, and so I think there's there's elements of this where it's really looking at is the audience strong enough? Is there any money eventually? And do you actually want the referrals from the audience that you're going to be in front of? Because if all of those things are yes, all audience is solid, business is solid, uh, it's an, a niche that you want to be in front of, and and all of that. I would consider at least the first time out doing some some content creation because I love content creation without getting paid to see does it actually pan out but you want to make sure you track that to determine am I going to actually get anything from this this relationship and from this work that I'm doing How do you track that kind of stuff Well the the simplest way is just asking where people heard from you or heard about you when I was really doing a lot of this I was making different links for, you know, different sales pages, different links for each, each set of content that I did for other folks. And so I could see how many people were landing on the page that was for this podcast that I went on, or this free webinar that I did uh, for this big company or whatever. And so it was something where I could see where people were popping in from and, and recognize which one was actually getting me clients. Um, or at least, if not clients, they were getting me people onto my mailing list, onto my newsletter list. Because I look at even some of the stuff that you and I have done together with our award-winning podcast here, and and we, all of the amazing webinars we've done for and and that's exact that's exactly what I'm thinking is we've done webinars for people with uh, some of the larger, more established platforms, yeah. not. Not those platforms, but some of the larger established platforms that business we can get to behind. business for therapists. Yes, those those <laughs> platforms. But we've done webinars and stuff like that, that they've sought us out to do content that we do very well for them and gotten approximately zero percent return on our efforts into those kinds of things. Well, you would think so, but actually we're still getting uh, people added to our newsletter from a number of those. I, I would have to go back and look at, I, th I think it's still on lead pages, um, the ones that get the most uh, hits. But the way we've done that is we have a, a downloadable that we mention, and then people go there and get it. And so a lot of these webinars, if it's a one-time live event, that's one thing. If it's if it's a webinar that's going to be evergreen, you can keep getting little drips <laughs> for the well, year. And, and so that we're is still getting drips. We're still getting more people on our newsletter from that. And and that is something that I have seen before in some of the presentations that I've done. I've I gave a presentation. It's got to be more than ten years ago at this point, 
for a group of students, I think like five people showed up at one point, but some or at for that presentation. But I still get referrals from one of the people who came there and it turned into a really wonderful relationship because I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Well, and sometimes even if you get one client and if it's like a consulting client and they drop two to $5,000 on a, a package, or if you get a therapy client and they stay for years and they drop $20,000 on therapy, that free talk that you did is really worth it. Right. I think the challenge is that you actually have to show up and do <laughs> do a good job and, mm -hmm. and be in front of the right audience and all of that. And, and we have to trust that. We have to trust that we're going to get paid later for the stuff that we're doing today. For free. And that's the part of the next steps that needs to be a part of your plan, because it's not just... I'm going to go up and I'm going to do this thing. It's having the next pieces of here's how this fits into my overall vision. And mm -hmm. you're talking about the drip campaigns. You're talking about, you know, having a vision for, are these the kinds of referrals that I want? How do I continue to engage those people? Because what's the magic number in business? Like you need seven points of contact with somebody eight. before eight. Uh, damn inflation. Uh, <laughs> but it's... <laughs> Having a picture of how does this fit overall for things. And I've got some stuff that I'm still under NDA stuff about that I had invested a fair amount of time in last year that, all right, I got some, at worst, I got some new content that I wrote and created for it and we'll be able to kind of weave in and it's benefited some of my existing clients as far as how I've fit that into sessions and had people consider it. I got some new headshots at a time when my style was changing and <laughs> didn't have to go and pay a photographer at the time. I got a new video that will be weaved into my new website here. So I got I got some soft stuff out of it, but when it does roll out, it is stuff that I think has the potential to either expose me to a new audience or at the very least, the content that is on there is stuff that I can point to as far as, hey, here is some new things, new populations that can fit within my practice quite well. Well, and I think the the quote unquote soft stuff is actually not that soft because when we're looking at getting a a speaker reel, if you want to speak, being able to speak for a video, it's not a bad notion. Like it's it's really helpful. And getting headshots are worth hundreds of dollars. And so, I mean, if you're going to get professional headshots done, if you're going to have your friend take a picture of you in the backyard, that's very different. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The days where I had friends taking pictures of me for my websites. Yes. Uh, but I think those types of things help to up your up your game, even if you don't have the money to do them. And that's that's the assessment of, do I have more time or do I have more money? And if you have more time, might as well do these types of of opportunities that get you some of these things that could cost you money in other other locations. Whereas if you don't have time, yeah, set up your own headshot time or figure out when you're going to do a speaker reel if that's something that you're looking to do and spend the money on it. But if you can get an, an additional benefit of potential visibility, potential relationships, a referral stream, I think that's that's worth considering. But it really comes down to, do you have the time to invest in it to do a good job? And does it get you something that you actually want now and also in the future? 
So a particular point where I see this is the people early in their careers who might be maybe more in their their pre-licensed hours, the associates, the, the ones who are working towards licensure, who are wanting to end up being in private practice on their own one day and are really kind of stuck in that decision of like, hey, student loans cost a lot of money. I need to get paid to be able to afford to live. And all of the systemic issues that Katie and I are, and a bunch of other people are trying to address to leave this world in a better place. But also wanting to forge a pathway towards, you know, being their own entrepreneur someday, but also get into this time versus money sort of indecision making. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a whole episode on Katie and our, my opinions on differing of when to do that kind of stuff. But sure. this time versus money thing for people who are at that critical point, how do you suggest that they go into looking at, all right, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have any money to start to do this stuff. How do I get to picking and choosing which one of these things might potentially pay off for me. I mean, I think this may be a longer answer than we can really fit into this episode. It's such an individual decision that for some folks, I would recommend having a full-time job and creating stuff on the side. And for other folks, I would recommend budgeting and digging into the the private practice world and really getting a lot of visibility and and doing a big push with time efforts and potentially a little bit of money efforts up front to be able to get that visibility. It really, I mean, part of it is risk tolerance. Can you, can you, it's risk tolerance. It's also, you know, financial privilege. I mean, can you not make money for a while? But I think it's that element of, can you manage the anxiety of not having a client right now and trust that the efforts that you're doing right now will get you a client in the future versus do you just fill up your caseload um, with insurance clients or, or other things, depending on the practice group practice you're in or whatever, or if you're licensed, you know, kind of getting yourself on a ton of panels so that you can start having consistent income and, and clients can be referral sources too. So that was, I mean, that was kind of my, my method is I got a whole bunch of insurance clients and then they referred people to me. And then eventually I was able to go off insurance because it was how I was designing my practice. But I think it's something where it's such an individual decision and some of it really comes from what is what level of of stress and risk can you handle and and what kind of financial needs do you have and so i think that may be beyond the scope of this conversation and maybe we have another one but i think that there's there's a thought process there that can be helpful if you can get out of that fear state if you're really worried about finances which is you know obviously a basic need that that we need to be able to take care of so i don't know did i did i answer the question enough i i think so and Stay tuned, you know, like and subscribe. We'll get to that episode eventually. So, <laughs> all right. You well, want to flip? We actually have some folks coming on that can talk about that a bit more. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan. So, insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. 
From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. You want to flip this to the other side as well. Yes. Yes. I think for me, the Pennywise pound foolish stuff, I think also seems to come not from do I do this thing for free, like go speak, but do I do this thing for my client? Do I do services outside of session? How strict am I with my, my, you know, cancellation policy, those types of things. And I, I see a lot of folks, you know, kind of in Facebook groups in the comments saying, charge your worth, which I agree. And, or I guess I don't agree with that statement, but charge enough that you can have the living that you want, but don't do anything for free, set the boundaries, da, 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 and like all this stuff around, you know, how they set up what their clients pay for, what they don't, what they allow their clients to do, what they don't. And to me, I think the mindset may be different for like an insurance practice versus a, a private pay practice. But I think that some of it, when we get really down into nickel and diming our clients, I think we shortchange ourselves because we lose clients. Absolutely. In some of the discussions we've had with people in our field, some of our listeners and this kind of stuff is I've at least set up my fee to include like, all right, there's going to be some between session sort of contact for things. And I kind of account for that within all right, here's what I charge. And if that means, all right, I'm going to hop on the phone with a parent for you know, 10 or 15 minutes in between sessions, or it's going to involve, you know, talking with a school counselor because there's, you know, needing to work within more of a team environment to help support a kid. I'm more than happy if those things are not taking up unreasonable amounts of time in between sessions to say, you know what, this is part of good mental health care. And I don't need to be, you know, going into my little EHR system and, you know, doing extra math of like, okay, that phone call took eight minutes and my fee is this. And so um, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to see a charge for $11 and 76 cents because I typed an email out and this is a text message that took another 17 seconds. So, you know, you're going to get 81 cents more just charged for this. I don't feel the need to do that. I kind of say, all right, here's the life that needs to be uh, accounted for within the fees of the clients that I see. And I'm going to set my fees appropriately on that. Sometimes when it's, you know, all right, I need to go to a bigger, longer meeting. I need to write a report for court or something like that. I'll, I'll be upfront with clients of like, okay, this, I estimate it's going to cost this much because it's going to take me about this much amount of time in order to do that. And just being upfront with those kinds of situations as they come up seems to be working for my practice. I, I'm pretty much the same. I think there's there were specific things that folks I think seemed 
very adamant about that. I was surprised. One was more of a, like, I'm not going to write any letters outside of session because I'm going to charge for that. Or if clients write me messages or send me things to read, I'm going to refuse to do those things because I don't have the time for that or whatever. And I think that sometimes you really don't have the time. I get that. And you can read stuff in session, those types of things. But to me, having an engaged client that is working on things feels really great. And I think it is something that can be very helpful for keeping clients in. That being said, both you and I now have uh, private pay practices. And so when I had an insurance practice, the expectations were a little bit different. And I, I still had set up my practice to be able to do some things outside of sessions, but I don't know that I would have done long phone calls without charging for them, for example, or I don't know that I would have done a lot of reading in between session from the client. But but I also prepare for sessions. And so that, you know, if the client's helping me prepare, then that doesn't, <laughs> then it doesn't, it just doesn't, some of these things were these boundaries of like, ah, oh, the client is taking advantage of us. Like well, that, and I, now that, that, now that you're saying that, that, that is kind of where I guess without, you know, really having been prepared to say this, I've also embodied having boundaries amongst these kinds of things. I don't, you know, pick up every phone call and be like, all right, yeah, let's meander and talk for hours. It's, hey, I've got 10 minutes that I can talk with you right now about this. Sure. So I maybe I'm just trying to be like, after a while of having these be conscious boundaries, these are things that you just have implemented and you too can be like us in <laughs> having this kind of thing where you don't have to be rigid about things. It can just be something that you adopt in how you run your practice. Well, and I think for me, the the piece that comes up, and I know that this is this can be a money story for some folks, but it seems like some of the Pennywise pound foolish things that that surprise me comes from a place of they're trying to take advantage of us. So a company that asks you to do something for free, they're trying to take advantage of us. A company that charges more than you think they should for the the program or the the service that they provide, they're trying to take advantage of us. Or if a client asks you to do something out of session, they're trying to take advantage of us. And I think when there's that adversarial ring to it, it does put you in an adversarial place and and for for some of the folks they are you know like maybe they're mm -hmm. charging too much or maybe they're trying to get too much of too much of your free labor and i think we need to assess those appropriately but i don't think it's helpful at least not for customer service purposes to view your client as trying to take advantage of you i think it's something where they don't know the boundaries they don't know the limits you have to set those and say what they are and if you choose that you need to charge for for more than just the session make it clear and then it doesn't become a thing. But I think, for, but when I see people kind of like, no, don't do it. They're taking advantage of you. I just, I'm like, wait a second. Let's look at our clients as humans that have needs and they're just asking for what they need. And we just have to put it into the right container to, to that we can then help them with. So again, it comes down to like, how does this fit within what your values are? Because, you know, the, the nickel and diving sort of aspects, we, are we aiming to be more like attorneys in this where it's like, I mean, I, I hate even talking about talking about my attorney because I'm sure that they are, you know, They're having somebody in their <laughs> office that's just going to be charging us for it. So it, it's just kind of like, I don't want people that 
I am in their life to help them achieve something. Be hesitant to reach out to me for fear of being nickeled and dimed on things. Yeah. I think as long as my policies are clear, they're consistent, and I follow through on them, I don't want to have people feeling like we are like attorneys in their lives. I want them to feel like, oh, this is a healthcare provider who I know what I'm stepping into. And if it's something on my end where it doesn't create feelings where I'm feeling adversarial, I mean, trust me, as somebody who works in the laws and ethics end of our field that's closest to the attorney ends of things, we don't want to be like them. (laughs) They don't have a good (laughs) reputation for a reason. We have enough of our own reputation problems as a field in general. Have Have some good, clear, consistent policies that work for you and then do them. But look at the impact of how that is on your clients, how it is on how they come back to you, or if it's part of your decision making, uh, your business decision making, then it's something where, okay, I can invest this amount of time or this into something because it pays off in later times. Next week, Marine Warbox joining us again and you know talks about how she just has time in her week where what she does is just like go on the internet and like look stuff up and like that is and think like but i mean this is something where once you are into running this stuff you create some of these opportunities for yourself to do this these are successful principles that people who level up their business do. And it's not these nice, neat, black and white rules that apply for everybody. So no universal truth on this. You can find our show notes over at mtsgpodcast.com and follow us on our social media. Join our Facebook group, The Modern Therapist Group. Let us know what you think. Continue to support the show. If you love our content, you can become a patron. And we do some special stuff for our patrons. And support us on Buy Me a Coffee. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.